The accounts shared on this podcast, including this episode, reflect the guest's thoughtful recollections and opinions of experiences perceived and occurring over many years, including childhood memories, which may be fallible and limited by perspective and trauma. Persons may have different memories regarding certain events. In the early 2000s, author Lemony Snicket wrote 13 books titled A Series of Unfortunate Events. This series followed three orphans who just couldn't seem to find any luck in life. Though they were always on their best behavior, their guardians inflicted all kinds of strange punishments upon them, such as scrubbing the floors with toothbrushes and running laps from sunset to sunrise. In each of the 13 novels, the orphans hope for a new and better situation, but their story just seems to get worse. The fictional series is the opposite of what we would expect from a story about three sweet children. In many ways, the three Archibald boys also lived through a series of unfortunate events. The only difference in their story is that it is somehow not fiction. And these boys had parents, or at least sort of. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't I, know, but I, I do know when Dad would get home, remember we'd make the ice cream out there? We'd have that homemade ice cream. And mm-hmm. it was like we're all singing Kumbaya. And, and the whole time I'm like, Dad only knew. In this episode of Kava, the boy's stepmother, Helen, continues experimenting with her newfound power over the Archibald children. didn't know what we were going uh, honest to god we did not know what after it started to see these types of variations Mm -hmm. whether it was um clipping whether it was raking whether it was picking up rocks vacuuming cleaning setting the table doing the it just became uh what's coming next with the variety of things that we would we would be prompted to do As their situation gets stranger, the boys get more desperate for some kind of escape. Yeah, those moments, I I can remember some of those moments. And I just remember observing, Mm. you know, just trying to be kind of invisible. Mm -hmm. And just I did not want any attention on me. Uh, Because it was... I don't know when it was that the boogers started. Um, it wasn't. It was about the same time. Okay. I, I, I mean, it would have been. So. It would have been when early. you were. We had not been there very long, maybe four or five months. So we had cleared and now kind of gotten into winter. That uh, that the fall of what, nineteen seventy two three yeah. That. Um, The, the physical abuse. Yeah, but the, uh, you know, there was a little physical abuse from Richard and Larry, and that mm-hmm. kind of got worse as it went. Uh, at some point it got where they, they had these little, uh, like, policeman handcuffs. You know, they were mm-hmm. toys, but but they worked. Right. <laughs> I don't think right. they'd have them these days, but uh, 
and they would do that and then push me down the stairs. The stairs. Uh, and it wasn't a huge stairwell, so you it's know, dangerous. chances were I was yeah. going to be fine, but... Uh, Those stairs were ginormous. But I almost remember, like... The only saving grace, Richard, is you. it had a curve to it. Yeah, the landing stop. So it had a... It had a one, one flight that would come to a landing spot, and then it made a little corner and came the rest of the way. And, and that wasn't a daily thing, but it, it obviously sticks out in my mind because it was a scary thing. And she's all good with this. Oh, yeah. Now, now, do I know for a fact that she was sitting there watching mm-hmm. or that she knew it was happening? No. But did I think that if she did, anything would change? No. Right. Um so there, there was that, but then, and this was, the first time was the boogers under the couch, right? And it was the... I don't even know how okay. you identify what, this what, substance as being that. I what mean, do boogers look like? I mean, yeah, if we had a perfectly made one sitting somewhere, you might go, hey, that kind of looks like a booger. But... Out of the blue, I remember being up, I guess, in the big room and hearing commotion going on, not knowing what it was. Right. And hearing Dick involved and, you know, I'm like, uh, okay. And then I guess Dad called me down. I don't know. But... I just remember them saying that I had put a whole bunch of boogers, like, under the couch. You're shocked. You have no idea what they're talking about. They're asking me about this, and I'm like, you know, I I probably knew what a booger was, maybe. I I don't even know. What are you talking about? I didn't say that, but Mm -hmm. I, I did not have a clue what was going on. Other than I knew I was being accused and blamed for something right. that didn't even make any sense to me. Right. It still doesn't make sense to me as a grown-up. In fact, it right. makes less sense to me right. now. Uh, so it's almost like they're scheming as a family to get you in trouble. That is exactly what it seemed like. Yeah. And, and what I Probably think it was. was. Yeah. And, man, I remember... Dad just, I don't know how, huge spanking, but it was, I'd call it worse than just a spanking, but, you know, it was belt, pants down. Helen had introduced a new level of abuse, physical abuse. What's worse is that it came through their father, who had been their last chance at protection. Uh, And it wasn't one or two. I mean, it just kept going. And then, you know, it ended, and then him holding me. And that was probably the closest I ever felt to him, which is the weirdest thing in the world, but it's true, because he held me while I cried. But then it was, okay, go go to bed. The torment wouldn't stop with these mindless chores and confusing punishments. 
Their home became a place of constant paranoia as Helen's power grew. Uh, if only that had been the end of it. Right, but that that became a thing. Uh, I mean, literally the booger patrol. It was broke out. And people were looking everywhere and finding them on the stairs. One time, Helen's dad was in town, and suddenly you have the uh, uh, booger patrol. Uh, Mm. What's it like whenever, like, uh, people scream, I I don't know, you're bad or whatever. (laughs) Okay, so it was like that. And, of course, I just sink. Yeah. Even, it got to where even when I heard a loud noise or voice that I was afraid that's what it was, whether it was or not. So the thing is, is it was at the top of the stairs on the wall up. High. High. Where, where you couldn't even reach. I could not reach. And uh, I remember uh, Helen's dad saying, I'll give you a nickel if you can reach it. I'll help you. You know, so I'm just like, I don't know what I thought. I, I wasn't that dumb that I, it's a nickel. But anyway. So with his help, I was able to kind of get close enough to where, okay, he did do it. Uh, so so the, the obvious didn't get... You remember Look, that? it was so clear, anybody knew it. Yeah. Well, it yet, wasn't about, yeah. Yet, I still got punished all the same. Yeah. In pretty much the same way. And so your your was your dad around? Not then. Okay. Was he not? No, he wasn't there. There was there were a whole crowd of of her dad, Helen's dad, and um, all of her kids. And and, and this is what really hurts is because I can remember being at the top toward uh, if you're walking upstairs, I was to the left, and you would come around from the big room when all this commotion had started, and, and I remember. Starting and here's another one. I found another one, and you you obviously couldn't get it. And I thought, well, this is going to be even as a youngster. This is going to be the uh, yeah uh, the the time that we're able to prove that none of this has been through you, none of it. And then he came up with this idea to give you a coin and to actually like put a knee up so that you could. And I was like, Richard, don't do that. And. You know, I learned what a coward really looks like. He said, I was there all those times and just thought, uh, I guess one ass whipping is not as bad as two. Yeah. Well, and there was, there was nothing we could do. I mean, why was I so compliant? But I remember just going to sleep, going, things are really getting bad. And uh, I'm the little guy compared to Richard and everybody else. You know, they want to put me up in front. And I do about it. I remember you coming down the stairs. Oh. I remember waiting to hear you cry. So I know you're all right. I... 
kind of stuck to the side. I didn't join the the witch hunt. But I wasn't the brother. If you could ask yourself, what would you do over when you're seven? It would probably be to work out more when I was three. <laughs> Dad, you got any steroids? Because I think I'm going to need it. That's when things really yeah. became horrific. As random and chaotic as it seemed, Helen's punishment was actually methodical. See, with each new chapter of Torment, she would do two things. First, she would place the boys in an absurd and embarrassing situation. This would make them question their own rights and their sense of what was normal. Next, she would gradually introduce more outsiders into the situation who would reinforce that it was normal and okay. Unfortunately, since Richard was the youngest child, he was usually the scapegoat. At the age of seven, Helen threatened to diaper Richard in full view of all his siblings and step-siblings. Now she was blaming him for hiding boogers in impossible places, and she included her extended family and their own father in this sick game. Richard simply couldn't win. So there was just that constant sense. I mean, it was really both of us, clearly, right? Right. We're both suffering. Uh, You knew it was going to happen, and you were just waiting for it. It was terrorism. Absolutely, yeah. Emotional terrorism. Yeah. uh, and, And then none of the other stuff stopped. Uh, you know, the other, the, the working, the chores, the... Uh... But like you said earlier, that was when we were outside. That's... It yeah. almost became a, a safe place to be. Yeah, that's right. As long as we could do what we needed to do and, and, and Helen not come out either not having anything and just grabbing whatever she could find or with that black belt she liked to, to harbor behind her and just... You know, dangle it in front of you. Home was no longer a safe place, not even outdoors. But thankfully, there was sometimes a silver lining at school. I had, uh, in Miss Edwards' third grade class, um, I remember they had a writing contest. Oh, uh-huh. Whoever would, would write a story, and we got to go up and, and, and uh, present it in front of everybody. I don't remember the content of my story, but it, it won the prize. Oh, yay. And uh, there was a, a young girl named Sally Rogers. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember, it seemed like, you know, even as a youngster, I, I was a chick magnet. I yeah. Mean, there was no questions about it. <laughs> and so uh, I really wasn't, but I had I had a crush on her, and we were kind of fr- we were we were we were friends, but we were boy and girl, so we didn't go over each other's houses. And not that I could have, right? I, mean, I wasn't right. going to give up right. a free pass for a day. Um, but uh, I remember always looking forward to going to school. Plus, Miss Edwards was the one of the greatest teachers I ever had. Other than Miss Shirley Shelquist, oh yeah, Miss Edwards was fantastic. I wasn't real good, but I, I loved to ride it even at that time. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember taking our lunch, and I remember uh, having our sack lunch. Mine was cheese and mayonnaise, and I remember winning a free lunch. 
That was my prize. And, and, and the prize was given out before it was time for lunch. Oh. And she said, well, I see you already brought your lunch, but tomorrow uh, you can not bring your lunch and you can we're going right. to buy lunch. And I got to sit with her. At the, at oh. the teach. So that was really, you know, hey, man, let's teach. Hey, hey, you peons over there. What are y'all doing? <laughs> uh, but I remember saying, no, 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 no. I would rather just, can I just eat it today? Mm. Can I just eat lunch today? And I, I, I it wouldn't have anything to do with that sack lunch. I was so tired of those, you know. And um, I just felt that, honestly, if I told Helen right. that uh, it would be something else that she would pack me a lunch anyway and tell me I got to take it. So a lunch was right. going to go to waste. Okay, okay. Right. I wasn't going to tell her the next day, don't worry about packing me a lunch. No. And not that she did. We pretty much did. Yeah. Yeah. So what about your school experience? I didn't have anybody. Okay. It was not a, it was a, I was kind of a, I think I was, I had become scared by then. Mm-hmm. Like I had changed from when, when I was littler. Mm-hmm. I was very withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't talk to people much. And people, I was, I think I was looked at as kind of weird. Because mm. I probably was. Um, and so I was, you know, and just, just the way she dressed me and, and all that, it just didn't, it was not a good place. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, kids are mean. It was at this time that a figure from the past re-entered the boys' lives. Mental health treatment started making some good changes in their mother's life. Joy was released from Terrell State Hospital and did everything she could to come see her boys. Mom loved us. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. We, there's no doubt in my mind how much she loved us. And, um, if she could take anything back about what they know about depression today, it might have been a completely different story. Right. But... Um, she would come into town, and uh, Dad would take us either to Uncle Calvin, her brother, mm-hmm. who lived in Pleasant Grove. And Mom would, would save up whatever money she had because she went and lived with her dad in Avery, Texas. Uh-huh. And she had a Falcon, a four Falcon, 1966. And she would save up enough money to come down. Joy would drive two and a half hours from Avery, Texas, to that terrifying house on Margot Street in Mesquite, Texas. From there, she would rescue the boys and take them to her brother's house in Pleasant Grove. What a perfect name for this refuge. But we would stay the weekends there in that house, go see a movie and and spend time. But um, uh, we started getting some time away then. I don't know what was going on with Dad and the rest of the group. And I think that was probably where I first started feeling a bond with my mom. Mm-hmm. I was always scared of her before that. Right. But that I can remember, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was that was good. And, you know, despite how scared I had been of her before, it was still a very secure mm-hmm. situation Yeah, uh, with her over there. It felt great. And when we walked over to Gibson's and... I don't know, we'd always be able to get like a little parachute army man or something. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes go to the movies, right? Oh, yeah, all the Dairy time. Queen and then to the movies. Uh, 1973, 74, the Poseidon Adventure uh, was, was yeah, when right. mom said, y'all didn't even ask for popcorn or anything. And then my dad, 
uh, had the audacity as he was trying to take us out on a nice little date with just boys, dad type. I don't know if they were separated this time or not, but I remember him taking us to see The Exorcist in 1974. I thought, Dad, man, you get... Once again, I don't know if the high five was invented, but I'm like, Dad, how... Is this your idea of spiritual warfare and emotional? Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I was, yeah, that'll scare you. Scared me to the Savior. After some time, Joy even became stable enough to take the boys back to Avery with her, where they all stayed in a house with her and her father. When we went to Mom's, and do you, you remember Avery, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Avery. Avery was great. Life in Avery was as free as life in Mesquite was restricted. They were able to play, participate, but they were a little too busy for their grandfather to take. And then we went to mom, and Ken was with us. Yeah. And uh, we weren't there maybe two months. And, of course, we, we realized where my mother got her depression from. Uh-huh. My, my grandfather, who was, a, was a, a great man, but he was struggling at that time, too. He had his own darkened bedroom for which we were never to impede this area. Wow. And um, we had to keep it down. Grants, as we call it, would get, would get upset with us. And uh, we, I guess, you remember when we were on the, the paved road with all the rocks? And there was this old shack. Man, we, 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 there was this old shack there, and it still had some windows in it. And we just started picking up rocks off this old dirt, and we just started slinging them. And um, it, it was making racket. And then we would come in. Mom would, would go to work in decap. That's where she went to work, at a little restaurant there. She was a waitress, and she would bring home these these tacos that were just, oh. and we couldn't wait for her to get home with the tacos. But it would be late, and we're still up. And and your mom participated, like she he went to something at a school function, she and tried. she sent yeah, she was uh, she went sent a cake or something. Granddad's in a, in a, some sort of an induced coma with his antidepressants, so we're just running around, you know, playing with God knows what, and we were loud. Mm-hmm. And it came a point where Granddad just said, "These kids have got to go." Gotta go. Go where? Avery was the only safety these boys had seen in a long time. Needless to say, they did not want to leave. And Ken, the oldest, wasn't afraid to say so. So I remember you getting a permanent marker. And I mean, seriously, this this might have been a preamble to the Declaration of Independence. as as much wording as you had on this. At the time, but to me, it took up a whole quarter of a wall, and it it just said, thanks, Gramps, because of you, we're not going to be able to stay with Mom anymore, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, But I I think that the hardest part was knowing that we we were just getting something started. Yeah. yeah. Back to Margot, they went, and Helen was as unhappy as the Archibald boys were. Still, the charade continued while their father was around. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, of that. But, you know, the, the, the discord between my dad and Helen began. I, I don't really know when that started. But that started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would get pretty... You know, things heightened oh. when Mom got, I won't say she got better. She got out. Mm. And so uh, we ended up back at Helen's 
you know, I'm surprised Dad didn't say just then, well, they're your problem now. Figure it out. But we ended up back at Helen's late 73. Okay. Just in time to enjoy a little Christmas. I remember being back in the grasp, if you will, mm. of of the... Because, you know, I think, I think we, were, we were coming out of Avery in, in an attempt to stay with my granddad and my mom, and and we still... We, we loved our mama. Mm-hmm. You know, she's our mama. She, yeah. she was, I remember when we were down there, we would play with that little fan and we would do neat little things and uh, mom would bring us. But, but but we were leaving there and we were now coming back to um, 3005 Margot Street. And we spent the Christmas holidays at, at Margot. It was a, a white Christmas tree where we had sprayed that flock. Flock, yeah, we we got some hairspray and flocked Christmas, tree. <laughs> and I remember it just being flooded with presents, as mm-hmm. I guess it would be when you got uh, seven kids. Yeah, and so yeah, and you got a bike, and yeah. and that was a sweet time ish, <laughs> but you didn't know what was going to happen next, so you're still under that like terrorism kind of. Mentality yeah, in this yeah, situation. Yeah, grasp that he was. Dad yeah. was. Dad was there, right? And right. we knew that as long as Dad was there, it was Jekyll and Hyde with Helen. Okay. And so you were saying Dad was there. He had he had had a couple of days, I guess, to be in, and uh, we just felt okay. Well, let's enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can. What happened after Christmas? Do you remember? I I don't. Okay. I, I, I kind of remember that Christmas because I remember the cool little thing I got that I didn't get to keep, but um And somebody went all out that Christmas. You know what I mean? I mean with what you got, I remember when my bike it had a radio that mounted to the handlebars with a horn. Remember? I remember that. I could listen to a radio and we could push this little horn. Matter of fact, I let you Take it for a spin. Oh, I hit a car. You, right? you hit a car. I did, I remember. It, was a, it wasn't just a car. It was a parked truck. Right. I mean, it would have been one thing if the tailgate would have been down. You could have just slid right in the But no, the tailgate was up. It was Mr. Kirkland's truck. And you were so enamored going, I'm hitting that horn button that you ran square. And I remember you fell off. And it was like, you know, your your boy section down there went up against the front of the and you And all I remember hearing was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, oh my, and you, when you fell over and you're like, oh, oh, oh my jewels. <laughs> you were saying, I remember the handlebars were completely crooked. And man, this is how terrible, brother, I am. I'm just thinking, man, I hope he didn't break that radio. <laughs> Did it? No, he didn't break that radio. Okay, so Mike, would you like to share about your radio, um, your tape recorder? that um, you had gotten at Christmas. I know that that was very special to you because you've mentioned it several times. And you re- you recorded on it too, right? Yeah. Y'all played Back a lot. You know, that. that's a great catch because we did. And, and we, before we had went to Buckner, we would get in that same closet that Richard had locked you into. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could sing. I couldn't. But uh, you would sing that... Uh, She's one hell of a woman by Big Mac, uh, uh, Mac Davis, whatever his name was. And you could sing that. We'd play that back. And uh, 
but yeah, so that was that great Christmas I was talking right. about. I mean, it was, I mean, it's, it wasn't the greatest Christmas I ever had, but the continuous situation that we're in to be flooded with gifts at that time and everyone seemed to be so joyful. It was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So what was the next big event? You know, I, I do not know. And so if Mike has I, a- I, I remember getting some, some, Going to a doctor and having certain kind shots. of vaccines. Yes. I don't remember any blood drawing, but I remember we're getting shots, and uh, I, I can't tell you what the what the justification was or what Dad or Helen would have told us. Uh, do you remember visiting Buckner? I think I do. We would kind of go just to the that really pretty. Of course, all the buildings were pretty yeah. in my mind, but. The main, the main building, right? Mm-hmm. With all the big steps going yeah, up. It looks like you're going down. up some naval. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, that main road that was just and pretty. And there trees on each side of it. Right. And you're just kind of cruising down. It's, it's not like you're going to South Fork, but it was like you're going down to a beautiful, and all those buildings were red right. and they were brick. Yeah. Very to this day, I love university that. kind of look yeah. to them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I do you, remember that. You visited but came back to stay. I, I And I don't remember whether I had any idea what, mm-hmm. you know, what what we were doing there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a connection. There's an obvious connection because it was right. Buckner and then we went there. But I don't know at the time that I had that. Vaccines and blood tests? After everything they'd been through, this wasn't necessarily surprising to the boys. But what they didn't realize was that they were about to move away from Margot. I agree. Did you? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I ever. I know Dad. We went and saw the bowling alley. One of the first things, and uh, I remember Dad saying, "Man, wouldn't you like to just know that you're right here with this all the time, or or something of that nature? Mm-hmm. That you could have this kind of a fun in a place like this?" Because I thought, well, we're just kind of. I don't know what's going on, but maybe we're going to go bowling today. And this is this neat place because mm-hmm. it wasn't far from Big Town, right? So maybe we just stopped from there because you could literally be at that Big Town Cinema and go right across like Sain or whatever that was, and then you had the backside of Buckner where they had all the soccer fields, all the ball mm-hmm. bar, and, and then they had the the bowling, and it was a recreation center too. They had mm-hmm. foosball kind of stuff in there, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't. I did not match that up to where we would. Dad was just asking us if we'd enjoy this because we were going to be coming back in some shape or fashion. Right. So at what point did you know that you were going to be staying at Buckner? I do not remember. the, okay. the I, I remember those visits. I remember being in Buckner. And that's it. Remember but packing the, anything? The, I don't remember packing a thing. I don't remember the drop-off that I know you remember. Uh I, I really don't know what I was thinking or doing. Well, I mean, um, so you're in second grade? Yes. Yeah, and I'm in fourth. Uh, and Ken would have been in seventh. Seventh. Well, um, I just remember four people to a room and when Dad mm-hmm. took us up there. There mm-hmm. was no Helen. It was just him. Mm-hmm. Helen wasn't a part of the equation. We, we we put some things in the back of the truck, at least what we had loaded. And, and I don't remember it was suitcase. I believe it was. It was full throttle suitcase you're carrying up there. It wasn't like 
we're going to have a couple of nights worth of stuff. Y'all are going to get settled in, and then we'll bring we'll bring some stuff up there. Because I had Christmas goodies and everything mm. that I had gotten, mm. other than the bike. That was never loaded. But I had my little tape recorder and some other little things that, uh, oh, yeah, I can remember unpacking. Wow. I can literally remember Dad helping us unpack. There were two rooms on each side. Uh, we shared a big bathroom with the other room mm-hmm. across the way. So there would be eight boys <clears throat> sharing the bathroom and the little shower area that was there. Okay. I remember Ken being probably the oldest person there. Well, and then, I mean, I remember, I mean, it was a transaction. You know, I mean, I, re- yeah. I remember going to the office at Buckner. Main cool yeah, the main building. building. And, I mean, basically, uh, he paid for us to stay there. And, I mean, I remember them talking about this and him signing some papers, you know. And and um, and I remember the idea that it, this was not permanent, that this was, uh, again, this was a, a ways to, to an end, a means to an end. And uh, I don't remember all the particulars, but that, uh, I mean, I was old enough at that point. I'm 13, you know. Wow. And it was like, okay, so, Ken, here's what we're doing and um, uh, but I'm going to come get y'all, and uh, you know at, at that point it was, it was as if my thought process was. I mean, he told me I'm going to leave Helen, you know, and this is what we got to do so I can get this accomplished. Hindsight was becoming rebellious, and I was the oldest person upstairs, and and I got to stay upstairs even after I turned 13 because. Number one, we agreed the way the finances were set up. We agreed, or my dad said, I'm going to come get them before he turns 14. And so it's not like he's going to, and we, there's only supposed to be two to a room, and we agreed pay for a room, but three of us were there. Listener, I'm sure you're wondering, just like the boys were, what on earth is Buckner? And this is the part of the story that most resembles a series of unfortunate events. You see, Buckner was an orphanage. Even though the Archibald boys had parents living with them, was no longer an option. Their mother and grandfather didn't have the mental stability to care for three little boys. And their father was also struggling to parent them for different reasons. In any case, the boys spent this next chapter of their story as orphans. For Richard, this was actually a good thing. Buckner offered some breathing room away from Helen and her sons. But for Ken and Mike, who felt the responsibility of caring for Richard, this was terrifying. So at what point did you know your dad helped you unpack? And then did you realize that you were staying there? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I was putting all this. I, I don't remember if I literally asked, or this is just a weekend retreat, or is this some sort of a summer camp? Right. Because school's starting, Dad. By the way, I mean, you, this is, and um, at some point, it became a realization to me that that's where we were going to be. I, I can't tell you I knew the duration of time, right? But I knew it wasn't like just a, just a weekend kind of a deal, or, or this is going to be something fun. This was going to be something just literally life-changing and as frightened as I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I mean, even with Helen and some of the things that we were going through, 
it was we had certain control over it. If we would just work harder, you know, we, we were going to still be here. Dad's going to be in from his his trucking trips or whatever, and so we're right. going to have some. I know that what, like you said, Rich, what we're doing is not right. What we're having to do there with Helen and Clip and all this stuff wasn't right. We could get a switch after us if we weren't mm-hmm. careful. But now it was just, we were going to be three of us with another guy who happened to be there, by the way. And he was on his bed and he was just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this guy's. We had been to Tell State Hospital. I'm like, when did this right. guy break out? Oh. You know? <laughs> How did he get there? Uh, yeah. Well, I remember having a sense of like it wasn't a bad thing for me. Uh, now, granted, I I probably just got people, they were probably just taking care of my stuff, right? I, I don't remember having to, to do anything. But what I do remember is the feeling, and, and, and it was a little different for me and Mike, right? I... Yeah. I had the booger stuff going on. I had the yeah. the physical issues with the brothers, right. the stepbrothers, and Helen. And so, for me, anything away from that was good. Mm-hmm. And so, the one thing I was nervous about was getting separated. I remember mm-hmm. that, and I remember there was like some talk or mm-hmm. about it, but mm-hmm. they let can stay and I guess that's what I was stressed about yeah Yeah. uh but then that worked out and then it was it was almost fun we had these little side tables and I remember taking that black tape recorder out and these things were big I mean they were right I I put it on the desk uh on this little side uh bed stand and uh it was a lady. It was a lady that said, oh, she, she looked at that and she said, son, you, you can't, you can't have that. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was, it was my Christmas present. You know, I'm looking at my dad, I'm looking at this, is my Christmas present. And she says, son, that, that, that won't last till tomorrow and that'll get stolen. And I remember looking at my dad at that time. I don't think he, he really flinched. I just said, I remember looking and saying, see, Dad, see, even she says that this is a, not a place for us, that this ain't the kind of, I mean, see, Dad, this is the kind of thing that we're going to be at now. And, uh, you know, that that final plea yeah, to bring some real, because yeah. I knew we were staying. I, I right. mean, it wasn't like, well, we're on doing this because we're all just going to sleep here overnight. I didn't know how long, but I, I just thought this is a bad place. Mm-hmm. That there's 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 all kinds of stuff going on here, and he proceeded to say, "Well, I'm sorry, son, but I'll keep it for you." Mm. You know, I'll, and he he packed it back and and he left. Do you remember saying goodbye to your dad? No, I I just remember. Um, you know what? I don't even think I was downstairs. Like, I, I had this vision that we're... You remember uh, in that front area where that little street was at, in the front yard area next mm-hmm. to... What was our dormitory? You remember? Cullum. Cullum. There was a lot of those horse apples, and we, we would play soccer with those sometimes, mm-hmm. keep going because they'd always crack open, and the 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 dorm mom and the dorm dad would always kind of be watching us. And I, I had this vision, 
until you brought this up was dad driving off. But I, I think because of where that window was upstairs, mm-hmm. and you could almost see that big town at Kmart over there, that dad was, was driving down that street. He was making that turn to head back to that straightaway to get out. And I saw him hit his brake lights. And I thought, you know, maybe he's going to change his mind, you know, mm-hmm. or I, I don't know. They were hoping that? I guess. I, I will say this. There was a moment, and we'll get to one later on down the line to where I too had that same feeling that you just described that at least we're not with Helen anymore mm-hmm. and it, it had just taken such a toll on you I guess that you're like hey I'm not with Helen anymore that was all yeah I'm here really now. for so many years of my life that was all that mattered to me mm-hmm. and I said this in stuff before the simplicity of that was you know that's really all that matter to me. Mm-hmm. With all this moving around from Margot to Avery to Buckner, keeping up in school became a huge challenge. So uh, what did, did you go to school there? Uh, at Edna Rowe Elementary. Okay. So you yeah. went to a different school. Remember the uh, the room, the house father, bus boys, bus. Yes, I do remember bus. that. He would scream so loud. <laughs> Time to get down there and get on the bus. For schools. And so it was not. a big school bus. It wasn't like a little bus. It was a big school bus. We had a lot of kids on that bus with us. Mm-hmm. All going to Edna Row. Okay. And how was that? How was it for you? It was. I was lost. Yeah. Because I didn't know what they were doing on the board. Right. I had no... I mean, either I hadn't got to it yet, or since we'd already been bounced around within like a right. one semester, two or three times from one school to the next, I, 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 he was doing fractions so fast. Right. He had this way about him when he would hit that chalkboard. I mean, he had 10 things of chalk just lined up on his board there. So when he's just hammering away, doing what he's doing with this, scratching this out, carrying this over, mm-hmm. doing this, divine. And he would hit that thing so hard, and it would just crack, and he'd just grab another one and just mm-hmm. go at it. Uh, well, you lose six weeks every time you move. Well, I think so, I lost a couple uh, of years. That's like y'all lost a lot of, of education there. I don't remember anyone ever tutoring or saying, man, you are lost. Somehow I got through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't really remember having any friends outside of Buckner. That I met in the classes. Yeah, we were, at least in second grade, mm-hmm. it was, uh, and I would think it would probably have been worse in, in fourth grade, but we were the Buckner kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was a label and there was a... Was there a shame to that? Well, mm-hmm. that was the intent, I think, okay. for of the kids to make fun of you and all that. Uh, but there was this one girl, I think her name was Jenny, in my class, and... She was probably kind of well-to-do. She seemed like it. But she was always so nice to me. And she, our teacher had, you could be like a, a something bee, maybe just a bee, something bee, a busy bee, a super bee. And uh, she was always a super bee. And uh, I would always get the busy bee, but not, I couldn't get over to the super. Oh. But And uh, so she would always, I don't know, I just remember her. Trying to help me, hmm. and uh, she's real nice. I will never forget her. Wow! But uh, so that was school, and I remember the bus. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I remember about the bus, and and I guess it was was it just like the whole Buckner community? 
Got on the bus and took. Oh yeah, there was not. Was we, the we didn't bus. make any normal stops. Yeah. for other kids on the route. And uh, matter of fact, the bus itself said Buckner Children's Home. Okay, it wasn't like Dallas ISD. Okay. Oh wow. So I mean, you you can guess that it was. There were some rough kids in Buckner, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember one day, the fight that broke out on the bus. I don't know if you were on it or not. But it was, I had never, I don't know if we had been in, in mom's rack yet when I, her face was all red, but I had never seen that much blood on someone's face. And we're talking maybe fifth graders, fourth graders wow. or something. Uh, but anyway, I remember that. And then I remember uh, walking home. Did, did you ever walk home? From Edna Row. From Edna Row. No, I don't. I don't. Walking home to Buckner. Or, yes. Okay. To me, and I was not supposed to do that, by the way, and I got oh. in a whole heap of trouble. But oh, you okay. just walked home. I just walked home. I just said, I'm not getting on that bus. Oh, after the after the beating. I don't know if it was after the beating, but it may <laughs> well have been. That that would make sense. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't know how I swung it, but I just walked home, and I just remember the freedom I felt. It was like, but I got. But you knew your way. Yeah, I knew the way. (laughs) But to me, Edna Rowe, when I remember getting on that bus, now we had to make other stops. Although, leaving, we were one of the last ones that got picked up. But coming back, we had to go to all these other dorms and and let people Mm. out. Then we would get to ours. The bus barn wasn't far from ours. I can remember hearing it crank up and it'd start coming out. But uh, Edna Rowe seemed like it was a long way off. Man, Richard was always a little brave dude. I do remember, at my age anyway, is that uh, the the people at Buckner, uh, whether they were giving you licks mm-hmm. or or getting on to you because you had done something wrong, they were Christian people, and we went to church whether we liked it or not. We went to church on Sunday mornings at First Baptist and listened to W. A. Criswell, and then on Sunday nights we had our own church and we had our own pastor. I was friends with the pastor's son. And he, he had his own little house, you know. Mm-hmm. Church was a source of light in this lonely time. It was like stepping into another world. We went to First Baptist Dallas. Okay. That was our church. Once uh, again, on a bus. On a bus. We went. And I do remember them taking us. I, I, don't, I don't think Dad was there, but he might have been when they picked it. Because we had to wear a suit. Okay. And they had like a closet. Like it, it wasn't a closet. It was mm-hmm. like a warehouse almost. Uh, to me, it was was a warehouse, but I was small. Where you would go and pick out what fit you mm-hmm. to wear to church. Uh, and I remember had the little tie and the uh-huh. jacket, and we'd go to church. A clip on. Yeah, yeah. clip on tie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember First Baptist seemed so big. Yeah. Uh, it did, didn't it? And because w- wouldn't we sit up in the balcony? Oh, yeah, we were sitting up yeah. in the, the top of the rafters, buddy. Yeah, and I, it, to me, it could have been Reunion Arena, you know? I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't, of course, but to me it was. Uh, and I guess it was Brother Chris Will. Mm-hmm. W.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess we probably went to Sunday we school, did. too. We did. We crossed over. So you had the sanctuary... And then they had these office buildings. They looked like office buildings to me. I remember seeing the church. Going, That's a, I don't know what a church is. But when you'd go across that street, 
I remember we went up into like the children's area. And once again, I remember when, when we would cross over uh, Jackson Street or whatever it was, I can't remember anymore, how cold it was when we would cross over. But man, once we got over mm-hmm. and we got up like on the third or fourth floor, and there would be a donut. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would have certain things. When they, now, it was, it was Bible mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you know, there's pictures and other things that they're going over. But I remember opening the Bible and can't say it was Noah's Ark or what it was. Mm-hmm. But we were, we were studying. Yeah. So that was, that was good. Miss Hunt would let me, she'd give me money. And she'd let me, it was just a chain link fence. We didn't have barbed wire. Right. We weren't in prison. And I'd climb the fence and go to Kmart. Wow. Now, in her defense, we were the the dorm right on that edge. And I would walk to Kmart and buy the cookies and stuff. Number one, the cookies that she stashed, but then cookies that, that she gave to us. And I'd buy it all. And bring it back. Now, there had to be some laws violated right, there. Right, right. <laughs> to let a 13-year-old kid leave the premises yeah. and go to Kmart. I mean, and, and just be with all these people. With that. And, wow. and I just bought our cookies and would come back and everything. And so I did have some privilege there uh, because I, I kind of ran things. And so right. uh, I remember one time... I don't know how many times you did it, but I remember one time you came back and you had your own little stash. Oh, absolutely. Kept, I started and you put it under stash. a tree. Yeah. And you came and got me. I said, come on, I got something for you. And so we went down there. I think they were Nutter Butters. Yeah, they it was always remember. Nutter Butter peanut butter. Okay. And they were ants on it. Yeah. And we didn't even care. Yeah. We were just blowing them off. Yeah, just blowing them. them. Yeah. Oh. I remember <laughs> that so vividly. And um, I just remember that, um, so I remember that I did all the chores because there wasn't that much to do, but y'all's bus left before mine. And I'd always, we always had to dust mop mm-hmm. and mop our, our room every morning. And I was just, y'all, and we had our closets. I mean, I just remember it like it was yesterday and I'd help y'all get dressed and y'all get off down the hall and go with, and I would get everything tidied up. Um, and um, I just remember that I just knew it was going to be okay. And what about, what was your day like? You Did you have to get up and go, like, to a cafeteria to eat breakfast? Mm, yeah. I guess we did eat breakfast every morning. We did. It would be very Man early. Hall. Very early to Man Hall. And very cold. Uh, and dark still. That's what oh. I remember, yeah, because I was... As soon as I got up, I would take my sheets to the right, washer to the place. Yeah. And we had, didn't we have like the big keys that you put in the yes. nets? Yes, the loop key. So you have your number so or your number as it was. Right. Yeah. And then I'd grab it after school, put it on the bed. Uh, but, but yeah, I remember, I had fond memories of Manna Hall. Manna Hall was named after a biblical story in which God provides food for his people, the Israelites, when they're in a desert when there wasn't a single plant to be seen for miles. Bread came from heaven, and God called it manna. 
And for the boys, this cafeteria food might as well have been bread from heaven. It was good not. Food. It was good. Yeah, I mean, considering we were eating beans and sauerkraut. Yeah. We were ecstatic to have scrambled eggs and little slices of bacon and pancakes. You'd go through like a line mm-hmm. with your tray. They'd serve you. And then it was just like, I don't know if we had to sit with, and it doesn't matter if we had to sit with our group or not, but I, it's not to me. It was just one big open seating. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I had this little, little you know, chick magnet even at a young age. I had Tracy Cast that would sit with me. I remember that name. We all felt good. I mean, once yeah. we got into the rhythm, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And uh, was it the mashed potatoes that, like, people would put their cup in and you could lift the tray up? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You put your cup in the potatoes yeah, and the whole tray would glue. come up. So that was, that was how you knew the potatoes were really going to be good that night. <laughs> yeah. They would hold up the tray. <laughs> uh, and then on, a, <coughs> on Sunday nights, we had sandwiches at the, the room, the dorm. Okay. And uh, Ken or Mike, probably Ken, but would always try to wipe, because they used mayonnaise. It was like bologna and mayonnaise. Ken would always try to wipe mayonnaise off for me, and and he did, and it was good. I have fond memories. And then there was rec time where I would spend it alone, too. I remember, because you remember, I guess it was just past the rec center was where the, you went up the hill to the stadium for the soccer, Mm -hmm. and that hill, the sun would be, yeah, I guess to the west, mm-hmm. and I just re- have such good memories of sitting there, laying mm-hmm. on that hill with the sun, and what it reminds me of now, and mm-hmm. what it reminded me of then, was being out in the sun in the yard on Marsha, waiting for Mike to come home, mm. and it was the same piece mm. there as it was then. But we know where the story must go from here. Somehow an orphanage had become one of the best homes these boys had ever had. But just as soon as they had settled in, they were snatched right back out. So one day they came to get you. They came and got us, but Dad had his boat on the back with the kids in all, all of the, the children up front. But uh, So all three of us jumped into the back. Dad went out to Lake Ray Hubbard. We had, like, it was old times. Anyway, he mustered enough to say, maybe we could just make another family run at it. Y'all want to come on home? It would. It's almost like the opposite of Officer and a Gentleman. Mm. Because I had Tracy Cash probably eating oh, some of these eggs yeah. going, this place is great. I've got all, I mean, I'm just having a good time. We're talking. And I remember, man, that you could just, instead of me coming in to get the girl and carry her out, it was like my dad came <laughs> yeah. in and carried me out. And I'm like, oh. Love lift us up where we belong, but you ain't coming with me. You know? I remember her, she just turned at me when dad just walked in. Uh, Leisure suit Larry and all. He just walked on in. He had the people with him, whoever they were. And it's in the cafeteria. In the cafeteria, man. Man Hall, yeah. Yeah. I I have a, I remember that now that you mention it. And he just came and picked y'all up. Yeah. Yeah. Came and got us. And you went back to Helen's. Stuff was already packed. He just came and got our physical bodies, and we left. I just can't even imagine what was going through their minds as Ken, Mike, and Richard sat in the back of that car, driving back to Margot and more torture. And I wonder what little Tracy Cass thought when Mike and his brothers simply disappeared from Buckner that day. 
Where are they going? Would they be okay? Would she ever see Mike again? We'll find out on the next episode of Kava. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kava the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who have gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kava, learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.